Chapter Three of Plough Stories by Clara D. Pearson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Plowing the Common. A tall, slender woman in a brown dress bent over a bed in the corner of a large single-room log cabin, where three boys lay sound asleep. Joseph, she said. Jonathan, William, the sun's almost up, and it is time for thee to bestir thyself. Hast thou forgotten that to-day they are to begin the ploughing of the common? There will be a chance for steady and mannerly boys to ride on the ploughs which their fathers are guiding. Three sturdy lads sprang from their bed, as though they had been pushed out by the one great spring, and the six feet came down upon the puncheon floor at almost the same instant. This was the day for which they had been waiting, and, when they ran to the open door to look at the sky, there was not even one small cloud to be seen. That was good and it was good to be able to play a bit as they dressed it was monday morning and most of the day before had been spent in church their tops and balls were put away and the doll belonging to their little sisters laid carefully in the cupboard they scrambled about to dress quickly and joseph in trying to fasten his rough shirt pulled off a button which flew across the floor and disappeared it was not the top button and he did not stop to find it his mother was bending over the open fireplace stirring porridge in a black iron kettle which hung there from the iron crane behind the curtain in another corner the boys could hear their sisters betsy and patience talking as they dressed the porridge is ready their mother said dipping out large portions into the porringers which sat on the table near by there will be a taste of sugar on it for those who are ready betimes the children rushed out of the door to the spring where they washed their hands and faces and jonathan slyly sprinkled william as he shook the water from his hands there was a rough towel hanging outside the cabin door but there was only one and the children shook off all the water they could before using it it would be damp enough at best before the last one got to it they were hardly seated at the table, the smaller ones standing to eat, as was the custom in those days, when their father, a tall and strong-looking man, bowed his head and asked a blessing on the food. A spoonful of maple sugar was then given to each child, and it was a great treat. Truly, they thought, this is a wonderful day. Joseph had not tasted his porridge when his mother spoke sternly joseph she said hast thou lost a button from thy shirt it came off when i was dressing he replied methinks it is on the floor and thou didst not pick it up his father said put down thy spoon and hunt for it at once thou knowest that no buttons are made in this new land and that for every one which is lost another must be brought over from england in a sailing vessel to replace it thou shalt eat no breakfast until thou hast found the missing button and thou shalt not go to the ploughing until it is replaced very soberly joseph arose from his stool beside the table and began his search between the puncheons or rough slabs which covered the floor of beaten earth jonathan looking round thought he saw the edge of the button but he kept still and let joseph search mistress freeman the mother of the family 
spoke to them all thou knowest she said that it is good a father to buy thee buttons when so many children have but tapes to fasten their clothes together we have but little money for such fineries so thou must be careful our food and our firewood and our yarn and cloth come from our land but our tea our coffee our spices our buttons and a few other things must be bought with what we can raise to sell or what we can earn by working for others she bent over to help the little patients manage her spoon and then arose to lift the baby from his rough wooden cradle with its wooden hood and jonathan caught joseph's eye and motioned to him where to look children were not allowed to speak at meal-time you know unless to answer questions so he had to tell him by a motion of the hand joseph was quick to understand and was soon back to his cooling porridge on which the sugar was slowly melting the meal was soon finished the father took down the huge bible from its shelf and all listened to his reading and knelt with him in prayer then they scattered to do the morning tasks the boys hurrying to finish theirs before their father should be ready to start with his oxen to the common for the ploughing in those days you know the farmers all lived in the villages with only as much land about each house as we have in one or two squares in town each man's lot was long and narrow so that the houses which were built on the front ends of the lots were quite close together this was done in order that they might protect each other from warlike indians and from wild beasts every farmer had his bit of pasture land and his bit of meadow land somewhere near and there was a large stretch of good plough land called the common where each man had a portion on which to raise his crops this was fenced in and all the men helped build and repair the fence in order that the cattle might be kept out the sheep which grew the wool for their clothing were kept on an island where the wolves could not reach them now the committee had decided what should be planted on the common and when the ploughing should begin each man had to plough his own part of it and plant his own crops so there would be working there at one time all the men of the village except the few who had to guard the cattle or attend to other public duties at noon the women were to spread a dinner-table near the common in order that the men could be well fed without returning to their homes the little girls were to care for the babies and help their mothers and all the boys who weighed enough were to take their turns at riding the ploughs boys and girls worked hard in those days and were not allowed to go much into gatherings where they could talk or listen to the talk of others so this was a great day for them they wore their working clothes of course but for them it was a day somewhat like thanksgiving or christmas boys called master freeman yes father replied joseph jonathan and william help me load the plough upon the wagon all took hold with a will 
twelve-year-old Joseph, ten-year-old Jonathan, and eight-year-old William, and the clumsy plow was soon lying on the old wooden wagon. When it was loaded, Master Freeman stood back and looked at it with a strange expression. My sons, he said, that is like a bit of old England to me. There the farmers are using plows like that, but on fields that are much different. If it were not sinful to make an idol of wood or stone, I could almost make an idol of that. He was a wonderful man who first made a plow. Plows make it possible for us to live in this new land and to grow the grains which English-born people need. But for plows we could not live here, for we do not know how to live upon wild fruits and grains and game only as the indians do the boys could not remember england but they could think what it would mean to have no store of grain and roots to put away for winter so they stood quite silent and respectful while their father spoke when thou art older he said the elder shall tell thee how the flemish and the dutch made good ploughs when many other peoples were still using crooked sticks to stir the soil then the english copied their ploughs if i mistake not some englishmen will yet improve the dutch plough for englishmen are thinkers too the father removed his hat and looked up to the sky god gave us the soil he said and it is he who sendeth sunshine and shower to bless the crops which we plant we must thank him for them and we must also thank him that he hath put it into the mind of man to fashion ploughs with which to prepare the soil a plough brings new soil to the surface it uproots the old growths and turns them under to rot and to enrich the ground and it gives the air a chance to sweeten and strengthen the soil much is needed to bring to our storehouses the grain from which thy mother makes her fine brown loaves to steam in the kettle in the fireplace and dry off on the hearth afterward we must go to our work he added it is not fitting that we should tarry here while our neighbors prepare to toil but i would have thee use thy minds as well as thy hands who knows but one of thee my sons may yet make a finer plough than this lay thy hands upon the mouldboard of this plough which our village carpenter hath made lay them where the blacksmith hath fastened on strips of iron to strengthen and protect it then lay them on the iron share and coulter and as thou layest them there be thankful and resolve ever to respect and care for thy tools and implements joseph and jonathan laid their brown hands on opposite sides of the mouldboard share and coulter and william laid his smaller ones beside jonathan's come now said their father bring out the oxen and we will go to the common once there they found other men and boys preparing to turn their furrows each man making sure where his portion of land lay and pulling his plough to the starting place the boys besides riding the ploughs 
to hold them down while their fathers guided them were often called on to help in little ways to fetch jugs of cold water from the nearest spring or to follow behind their fathers and kick apart the largest of the upturned clods with the toes of their stout homemade boots come joseph said master freeman you are my eldest son you shall ride first joseph stepped forward to take his seat but drew back he had caught sight of jonathan's face and he remembered jonathan's help in his hunt for the button i will take my turn last sir he said i owe jonathan a kindness and this is william's first year at ploughing i will wait master freeman was surprised for joseph was not always so thoughtful but he answered only so be it then and called jonathan to weigh the plough while william sat by to be at hand when called and joseph followed to break the largest clods the plough was not a smooth running one and jonathan's seat was not easy but for a boy of the colonies it was great fun almost the only chance to ride which he ever had in his simple and busy life it was fun to watch the steaming sides and flanks of the oxen ahead of him to look off at the forest from which the settlers got their firewood to listen to the wild birds and at every second turn to catch a glimpse of the atlantic ocean sparkling in the sunshine he thought his father's plough the very best on the common and indeed it was no two were exactly alike the mould boards were usually made from a section of the tree trunk that had a winding grain shaped by the owner or the village carpenter and protected with whatever iron they had to use even old horseshoes had been used in this way the land sides were also wooden and shod with iron the shares were of iron and sometimes had hardened steel points the coulters those cutters which were attached to the plough beams to cut the turf were also of iron edged with steel the wooden beams were usually straight and the handles which arose from them were usually made from the crooked roots of the white ash some of the farmers used one-handed ploughs carrying sticks in their free hands with which they constantly scraped the dirt from their mould boards these one-handed implements turned an even shallower furrow than the two-handed ones and none ploughed deeply but the land was new and rich and it would yield well for years even with shallow ploughing when william was called to take his turn jonathan took joseph's place and followed his father down the furrow master freeman looked kindly at joseph and told him to do whatever he chose for a time that he was not needed just then and joseph asked if he might run to the forest and back master freeman consented and joseph was off first removing his heavy shoes and stockings he had set a baited hook in the forest hoping to catch a wolf which had been seen prowling about recently it was a stout iron wolf hook and it was well covered by a piece of fat pork quite enough to tempt any beast of prey 
over the fields he ran enjoying it as only boys could who were given so little chance to play and romp indeed he was going so fast as he neared the forest that he almost crashed into the laurel bushes where his trap was set there was a wolf lying dead with the hook in his mouth a fine large young wolf he was with an unspoiled skin which would be good for many things joseph went up to him very carefully thinking that he might be only pretending to be dead but when he had made sure of it he loosened the chain of the hook from the sapling to which it had been fastened and started back with the wolf on his shoulders such a proud boy as he was it was his first wolf although he had caught many smaller animals in his homemade traps and had even sold a few beaver skins the last winter to be shipped to england he was a warm boy when he got back with his burden for he had gone as fast as he could but he was proud 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 as he drew near the field one man after another caught sight of him and paused on the near side of the common to await his coming elder hopkins was the first to greet him a kindly old man who preached long sermons but loved all the boys of the town joseph thou hast done well for the settlement with thy hook he said of late this wolf hath lived too well on suckling pigs and young hens he must be the same for which our men hunted last week then came other men to look at it and speak a kindly word and last of all came his father who had chanced to be at the far side of the common and had waited to plough his way back may i carry the wolf on my lap when i ride the plough asked joseph nay nay answered master freeman thou knowest better if thou wilt but think for the smell of the beast would frighten the oxen hang it up on this side of the common where the wind will carry the smell away from them then thou canst see it whenever thou art coming this way later i will help thee skin it and tan the pelt it shall be thine own to sell or to use so joseph took his seat on the plough feeling very happy and proud it was a fine day his father and even the elder had praised him his wolf hung from a tree near by he had been kind to his younger brothers and the women of the settlement would soon spread forth a wondrous dinner in the grove beyond what more he thought could a boy of the colonies want End of chapter three